This is the Sports with Teeth podcast. Podcasting live, your hosts, Kyle Washington and Alex Warnicky. Welcome to the Sports with Teeth podcast. My name is Alex Warnicky, joining you from sunny San Francisco, California. My co-host, as always, Kyle Washit, joining us from Sela, Washington tonight. Kyle, how's it going? Lots to talk about. Yeah, first weekend of college football season in the books. Uh, not the prettiest for our Huskies, but yeah, I'm back from vacation. I was in Canada during the game. Uh, I had to struggle to find a TV to watch it after searching around at about 10 different bars. Finally found a pirated uh, U.S. DirecTV dish, so I was able to watch the watch the game live at the uh, at Melissa's uh, watering hole in uh, Banff, Canada, Banff, Alberta. Um, but uh, yeah, caught the game. Uh, not the prettiest of games, but back here, back from vacation, uh, Labor Day here you had the day off for podcasting uh ready to go uh chew this one up yep absolutely uh tons and tons to talk about we've got the huskies game we've got some uh national college football games some pac-12 stuff to recap and uh even some seahawks preview going Defending on in this Super Bowl champs. yeah baby <laughs> uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one on thursday night up there but uh Let's uh, before we get started, I just want to take a second and remind all of our listeners: uh, go ahead and contact us whenever you want. Any kind of questions, concerns, comments, uh, advice, whatever you need, uh, go ahead and shoot us a line at Sports with Teeth on Twitter, the Sports with Teeth podcast on Facebook, and as always, Sports with Teeth at Gmail dot com. Kyle, let's ho- let's hop right into it. Huskies seventeen, Hawaii sixteen. Uh, not the way we wanted to start out. Oh, you know, we want to know right where we want to be. This is great. Uh, no, not the case. 17-16, uh, a lot closer than the experts thought, than we thought. Uh, I guess you can call us experts. Uh, we were wrong on that. The, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors really challenged the Huskies in what was not a very good opener to start out the Chris Peterson era with the Huskies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they got the win, which is pretty much the only bright spot that we mm-hmm. uh, that we had. But um, could have been a heck of a lot point. worse. But we would have been zero and one. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. we just did not look uh, like we were firing on all cylinders just no, from the get go. Um, I think the first place we have to start is Jeff Lindquist and the quarterback situation. Uh, probably the most glaring issue uh, of the night was his play. Um, from the quarterback position, uh, didn't really impress in the slightest. He couldn't hit anyone, especially in that second half. Was just you know six seven yards away from guys. It wasn't these you know really tough throws that are that he just sails a little bit. I mean these were like seven yards behind guys. He went. He he did have that one ninety ninety one yard bomb to John Ross, uh, which was his by far his best throw of the day. But besides that, he went 9 for 25 for just 71 yards. Not going to get it cut. 
for a Pac-12 quarterback. Yeah, not not in the slightest. Um, that offense was abysmal. Obviously, it starts with Lindquist. No rhythm whatsoever. Five straight three and outs to start the second half. That was just abysmal. Uh, I mean, you can't, you would, we just didn't have any plays on offense, so none of our playmakers get the ball. You know, Mickens touches it one time. Cason Williams only touches it one time. Even John Ross only touches it twice, and he gets two touchdowns in it, but we can't get him the ball because we're not, we don't have enough plays because there's just no rhythm. Uh, you know, lots of incompletions. Uh, you know, the line wasn't getting a push up front. I think that was that was another glaring thing is that we weren't able to get a consistent push up front. Um, but yeah, Lindquist, you couldn't hit water if it fell out of a boat. You know, those slant routes that he's throwing four yards behind the guy. Um, you know, and I guess we, we could talk about that all night, but I mean, announced today that he's not going to be your starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Uh, Siler Miles is going to be jumping there, and hopefully that can jumpstart the offense and give him some semblance of rhythm uh, and a, a decent passing attack. Yeah, uh, were you surprised at all that <clears throat> Coach Peterson didn't go to the bench and throw in Troy Williams for at least a series at some point in there? I mean, for for a little while there, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, I was just absolutely letting him hear it. Like, I... <laughs> I, I mean, I know he can't hear that because it's Twitter and it doesn't matter. But, Hell, you know he was checking uh, his mentions during the game. Oh, he totally was. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was very vocal in saying that I think Jeff Linkwitz should have been pulled probably somewhere in the third quarter, uh, right around yeah. that time where they had five three and outs to start the second half. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. You, yeah, can't, I, you can't just leave a guy in there for that, with that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I was pretty surprised that way. I think it speaks to the lack of confidence they have in Williams with the amount of turnovers that, and interceptions and stuff that he had in, in camp. And I also think uh, it was pretty uh, obvious that the coaching staff kind of had a mentality in this game, like, we're just trying to survive this. We're, we're playing not to lose. We're, they weren't really playing to win, you know. You didn't see him you know even yeah going to going to Troy Williams I think that that would have been a smart thing if you want to jump start that offense but they I guess they had no confidence in him and they said after the game they didn't even consider that so that says something but also you know uh they're I think they were just just basically letting Lindquist go and just basically hand it off and have really easy throws so no chance of any turnovers which they didn't turn the ball over I thought the key play and the whole the biggest play of the whole game uh, after Hawaii cuts the lead to one, seventeen sixteen, the first play of our next drive after they kick that field goal on the twenty-seven yard line, Coleman fumbles the ball. Lindquist gets on that. If, if he doesn't make that fumble recovery, uh, I think we're looking at a whole different game because Hawaii's already in field goal range. They take the lead. We didn't have the offense to come back down and, and win that game. Yeah, I was super surprised that I mean, with the lack of our offensive just anything in the second half that Hawaii wasn't able to come back and uh, take the lead. They only scored six points in the entire second half. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's to the Huskies zero points in the second half. So (laughs) that's, you know, that tells you how bad they were um, after, after the break there. So, I I mean, I was really surprised that Hawaii didn't score more points there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks like they were running the ball really well. Um, I think that might've been, a coaching error that they should have stuck with that that big back uh, Is- Isofale or Isofale something like that. Um, he was just pounding the Husky defense right in the teeth, and there was nothing that they could do to stop it. I mean, I yeah. know, I know what Hawaii lacks in skill traditionally. They usually make up for in size and strength and just brute force. Uh, but it, you know, that was it was a little little embarrassing and a little you know humbling to see those guys just manhandle that. Mm-hmm. vaunted defensive front 
Yeah, that, uh, that Joey Iasefa, who's a running back for Hawaii, had 30 carries for 143 yards. Um, you know, no no long carries. I think I think his longest carry was nine yards. It was a bend but don't break style. Uh, they didn't give up any big plays, but they, I feel like it just consistently the defense was was losing the at the point of attack line of scrimmage. Uh, our front seven was supposed to be the strength of this team. It just wasn't didn't show up. You know, Shaq Thompson, where's he at? You know, we didn't didn't see him making any sort of an impact on the game. That was surpri- surprising. Uh, you know, Danny Shelton was what did play pretty well. Twelve tackles. Uh, but 12 tackles from the defensive tackle position is not ideal. You know, you want your, your linebackers making the tackles and those guys taking up blockers. Uh, he had two sacks as well. Um, I don't know. I think defensively uh, they, they did enough to win the game and hold, hold Hawaii to those six points in the second half. But they were, they were not uh, dominant by any means. And uh, I think that's, that could be a, a bad sign for the future that front seven wasn't uh, as salty as we thought they'd be. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to piggyback on top of that, uh, the secondary, which we kind of expected to struggle a little bit, starting Mm -hmm. with so much youth in the backfield there. Uh, Buda Baker was getting picked on early. Uh, It was kind of, you know, one of those welcome to D1 college football, son, like this is your trial by fire. And he it it took him took him a little while. The more I watched him play. Uh, I think the more he kind of got it, the more he settled into the game, um, especially into that second half. Um, I think he improved quite a bit, so that's good to see. And we were kind of expecting him. I mean, it's his first game ever at co- at the college level. He's going to have an adjustment period. Uh, it's a lot, lot different than playing Juanita and Eastlake, <laughs> you know. Yeah, playing, definitely. Playing definitely. Football. Hawaii came out attacking him from the first series, and they 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 rammed it down our throat that first series. A couple big third down conversions, long ones completed against Baker. Uh, you know, you can tell their offensive coordinator Norm Chow and and their their coaching staff was really picking on the young guy there. Um, but I thought he you know he acquitted himself well at seven or so tackles. Uh, you know, he bounced back. He's gonna he's gonna stay in that rotation. I thought Marcus Peters looked pretty darn good out there. A lot of a lot of pass breakups. He was flirting with some uh, some pass interference penalties. He didn't get called for anything. Also, on a fourth down, they tried to reverse. He lit up the uh, receiver as he was passing. It could have easily got called for targeting there. Luckily, no call there. Uh, Huskies to the next play from there. They go deep to uh, John Ross for the touchdown in that second quarter. So, um, you know, defensively, decent showing, not great. Uh, I thought I thought um, secondary was was about what we expected with the young guys. Uh, they played all right, uh, and they're going to improve. But up front was really, really troubling, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and that being said, I mean, they did keep Hawaii out of the end zone for the most part. I mean, if you take away that first opening drive of the game mm-hmm. uh, where Hawaii drove it down the field and just stuck it in the end zone, um, which you can totally you know, count that towards just having nerves and being like uh, being very new and inexperienced Mm -hmm. in the backfield, especially. Um, So if you take that drive out of the game, I think we're talking about talking a little bit differently about this, this uh, Husky defense. Then they probably only, they only allow nine points on the day and they're all field goals. Mm -hmm. So they did show a certain affinity to be able to keep the team to keep white out of the defense or out of the end zone. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, So, that I mean, that's kind of a silver lining that you can look at, and it'll be interesting to see how they 
translate that to playing more skilled competition uh, when we finally get to it in week four. Yeah, definitely. And uh, no, tur- they didn't pr- uh, force any turnovers from a Hawaii offense that uh, you'd think, you know, going 1-11 and last year, they'd turn the football over. But uh, we didn't force any of those big plays. We didn't give up any big plays. So it was kind of, you know, the defense was just there and did did enough to uh, not let us lose the game. You know, it, the defense didn't win the game for us, but they didn't lose it either. And same with the offense. So uh, we ended up coming out of there with a squeaker of a win. Uh, there was there was a couple bright spots on the on the offensive side of the football though. Uh, John Ross, obviously with the two touchdowns, that guy is electrifying. Oh, he's such a stud. I mean, put the ball in his hands and put him in space, and I'll take him over anybody. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just got that blistering speed that comes out of nowhere, and people just can't catch him. I mean, yeah, it was pretty you're, clear you're, on the on the little reverse as well as the ninety one yard bomb. Uh, that he was just, you know, head and shoulders faster than anybody on the field. Yeah, and that reverse leads to the first touchdown of the Husky season. Uh, Linda from L.A., our loyal listener, emailed us last week asking about uh, whether Peterson was going to be uh, you know, employing those trick plays that he did so often at Boise State, and uh, you saw it early on in the game in the end of the first quarter there, uh, the little reverse uh, 20-yard touchdown for John Ross there, and then that, that deep bomb on the post down the middle. I thought Lindquist overthrew that, and he just kind of put it into an extra gear and ran away from everyone for a 91-yard touchdown, second-longest uh, scoring pass play in Husky history, second only to Jake Locker and Marcel Reese's 98-yard touchdown in the 2007 season. Uh, yeah, John Ross looks like a stud. We just need to be able to get him the ball more. He only had two touches, and both times he had scored touchdowns. He also had three three kick returns, averaging about 27 yards of return. So this guy's electric. We just got to find him the ball, and hopefully Siler Miles can distribute that to him next week a little better. Yeah, absolutely. Go, going back to Coach Peterson pulling out of the trickery, I mean, I think you kind of saw the stark difference between when it's okay to pull out a trick play and when it's not okay to pull out a trick play. Hawaii pulled out trick plays when it was unnecessary and almost it almost looked like they were expected from the Husky defense. I mean, <laughs> they did a really good job of staying at home on those on the double reverse and then that that reverse pass that Marcus Peters just laid the guy out on mm-hmm. um so and then, you know, Chris Peterson comes back and he he counters that with a perfectly orchestrated reverse to John Ross to get him, you know, in in acres of space and just he just torched them for the, for that twenty yard touchdown. So, um, I mean that's you're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, let's hope that we see a lot more of that orchestration. You know, not necessarily trick plays, but the offensive orchestration and the tweaks that you know really open it up mm-hmm. for this team next week. Yeah, yeah, and other bright spot on the offense, uh, you know, that that last last drive of the game when they salted away the clock, there's like about three minutes left. We get the ball back up by one. We're able to uh, to get a couple three first downs. It was critical, salt the clock away, uh, not give them a chance to to come back down and kick the field goal to win the game. Uh, Levon Coleman on that drive was special. He had six straight carries for 47 yards, and that really sealed the deal. And he's only a true, only a redshirt freshman, and, and I thought it was very very impressive that the coaching staff had that kind of confidence in him to ha- hand him the ball six times. And that was the first time all day that we really saw saw our run game get going and our offensive line getting a push up there. So that was huge that they they were able to turn that on when they needed to, and and we're just gonna have to see that a lot more um, out of Coleman and that offensive line. Yeah, I on Twitter the conversation was a lot of it was focused around you know, we have a we have a quarterback that's struggling and can't seem to get in any sort of rhythm and the way you remedy that normally is you just hand the rock off to 
the running backs and get that run game going. And that, you know, helps to start create a rhythm, create, you know, some offensive momentum. And then, you know, maybe the quarterback feeds off that and can distribute the ball a little bit better when there's a little bit less pressure on these, mm-hmm. like, you know, second and second and four instead of second and ten, you know? Oh, totally, yeah. Um, so uh, it was good to see LeVon Coleman get that get that push and the offensive line kind of kick it into gear at the end there. Um, also good to see Dwayne Washington played decently. Um, Deontay Cooper and Jesse Callier pretty much non-existent. They touched the ball four times between the two of them. Um, so it's it's almost looking like we we thought it might be a three headed monster, it might be a two headed monster coming in here with uh, with Levon Coleman and Dwayne Washington as we move forward. But we'll see, I'm sure, uh, in the next game. Based yeah, on and, and how another that thing, another thing, even you know, you're, you're talking about trying to get that run game going with a struggling quarterback. Obviously, that's what you want to do, and it, it just wasn't working because we weren't getting anything going up front. And I, I was I was almost surprised that we didn't see Shaq Thompson back there. You know. Uh, why not try it? Uh, I think obviously they're they're probably trying to save that and uh, just trying to survive this game. But uh, yeah, would that would have been a nice spark to see back there. And uh, I, I was mentioning that you know you know possibly putting in Williams and possibly putting in uh, Shaq Thompson back there just to try and get a, some sort of life into that offense in the middle of that second half when they were just struggling so mightily. Yeah, we'll see what Coach Peterson does. Maybe he's kind of saving that as a as a new wrinkle for Pac-12 play or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, you don't want to get a guy hurt at all in the, you know, in what is basically the preseason uh, for the dogs here. So we'll see. We'll see how he plays it next week. And, uh, you know, maybe if they get some momentum and some and a big lead in the fourth quarter or something like that, maybe he'll test it out. I don't know. Um, but I agree with you. I think it might have been able to spark a little bit of life into that offense and get something going, which it, you know. They, clearly, have, needed. Uh, they clearly needed some sort of spark. Uh, you know, overall, uh, this, this really comes down to this big question. Is this uh, opener indicative of, of what we're going to see the rest of the season? Or are we going to kind of look back this in a few weeks, a couple months down the road, and say, wow, you know, this is kind of an aberration. Uh, we're on the road, first time with a new coaching staff. Uh, our start quarterback's out. You know, we're starting a, who amounts to probably a, a safety as our starting quarterback. Uh, you know, we're on the road. It's a tough place to play, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be fine. You know, what do you think, do you, what do you think about that? Which, which one of those two options is, is this game? You know, I'm, I'm hoping it's the latter. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell a team's first game of the season. You know, there's this old adage that says that the most improvement you see from a team comes between weeks one and two. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe it in every case, but in this case, I've, I think it's going to happen. I mean, I think there's going to be a vast, vast improvement. Can't get um, much worse. <laughs> it, I mean, just just putting in a competent quarterback fixes so many problems because you don't have those five three and outs that just annihilate your defensive energy. Yeah. Uh, and so that helps that helps the defense, which in turn again helps the offense by getting them some better field position, uh, taking some pressure off off of that offense. So um, it's really hard to say that you know this is going to be how this entire season plays out when arguably the most important position on the field was not, you know, not up to, 
what it will be next week so yeah clearly um, clearly that's going to be a huge upgrade at the quarterback position how much of an upgrade we'll see if it's if it's drastic i think uh we'll, we'll be in decent shape but I, the the thing that does really worry me is that push up front on both sides of the ball we weren't we weren't winning and dominating up front like i thought this team should with the amount of returning players we had back against the hawaii team a mountain west team that's you know not that great of a football team uh, so that that concerns me, and that's going to be a huge factor going forward uh, as we take on the Eastern Washington Eagles next weekend, uh, Saturday, se- uh, what is it, uh, September sixth at twelve noon uh, o'clock Pacific time. Uh, going to be a big one. Op- opener at Husky Stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if if you don't mind, I just I just want to go back real quick uh, to last week's okay. performance. Yeah. Um, Huskies obviously ranked number 25 in the polls this week. What do you think? Do you think they stay at number 25 there, or do you think somebody, you know, people will drop them out in favor of another team just based on the quality of the win, even though it was a win? Yeah, I, I, I don't think we stay ranked. I think that people will drop us out of there. I mean, that was that was a pretty abysmal performance. I mean, uh, there's not a ton of other teams that, that, to jump in. Even even maybe in Oklahoma State, who went toe to toe with Florida State, could jump in there. You know, Arizona looked good. Uh, Michigan looked really good. I think there's there's teams that can jump above us. I don't think we'll be ranked. Um, you know, as, as we hopefully pile up some more wins, maybe we'll get back in there. But as of now, I don't think this team deserves to be ranked after that performance uh, last weekend. Yeah, that I mean that 25 spot's really hard. It, it's kind of a spot that. I think a lot of voters like to just put in a, a hot team that, you know, maybe performed well the week before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the expense of the Huskies, I could totally see us dropping out of the rankings. Um, but that being said, the next leading vote getters in last in the preseason poll were UCF, who lost, albeit a very tough game uh, against Penn State in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, and then the early Texas, game. Yeah, yeah. Great <laughs> fun to watch that at 530 a.m. <laughs> um, and then Texas, who was inactive, and Florida, who canceled their game against Idaho uh, due to weather problems, uh, which mm-hmm. is a whole other story in itself. And, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we'll see uh, when the polls come out. I believe they come out on Tuesday uh, it, after tonight's Louisville and Miami game. Um, so we'll see where the Huskies mm-hmm. are ranked. Um, but, yeah, now let's move on to Eastern next week. Like you said, noon start time uh, next Saturday. First game uh, in Husky Stadium of the season. Um, last time the Eagles were in town, it was a little bit of a scare into the dogs. I mean, Eastern came to play, uh, and you know that they're going to do that again. Yeah, this is a great football team. They're, they're ranked uh, number one or number two, depending on what poll you look at in the uh, FCS division. Uh, they p- knocked off Oregon State last year. Uh, they, they, shoot, they should have beat <coughs> excuse me, they should have beat us three years ago. Lucky to win that game, kind of like the Hawaii game last week. Uh, they got a quarterback, Vernon Adams, who's very legit. Uh, the kid, the kid's uh, started there for a couple years now. Last week, he was 27 of 30 passing the football, and Peterson mentioned that in his press conference today. He goes, man, our, our quarterbacks right now couldn't do that against air, uh, let alone another football team. So this this is a team that, that uh, has... Uh, a lot of a lot of talent. Uh, they're not nearly as talented as, as the Huskies are, but if the Huskies play uh, like like they did last week, or even a little bit better than they did last week, uh, this is a team that's going to beat them by a couple touchdowns. <coughs> yeah, me. I mean, we definitely need the Huskies to come out and play a different brand of football um, than than they did this past week. And you know, like I was talking about, the big focus this this week 
has to be on individual improvement at individual positions. Um, I mean, Siler Miles is obviously going to be an upgrade. Like, we all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be how the rest of the team performs confidence-wise in relation to having that new quarterback and what he can bring to that huddle uh, to really get their momentum started and to get them in a mental standpoint where they believe that they're going to absolutely dominate, which was possibly hurt last week. I mean, it's kind of hard to go from almost losing against Hawaii to playing the number one FCS team in the country. I mean, we know that these kind of upsets can happen. Uh, North Dakota State's upset, upset a FBS team five years in a row now. Uh, Eastern upset Oregon State last year. I mean, the Huskies have to watch out. This is by no means a gimme game. Oh, not at all. This this game, uh, it's, it's, it scared me before last week, and it even scares me more this week. I think you're looking at a, a close game here. It's going to be a touchdown either way. Um, I, I'd probably still favor the Huskies just because of that talent, and I think they're going to bounce back. Um, a lot of the playmakers are going to get more involved in the game plan because we're going to have more plays that we run because we're not going three and out every time, hopefully, with a more competent uh, Pac-12 quarterback in Siler Miles. Um, so... We'll see. You know, you, you, that's. I think that's going to be big. Getting Case, Case and Williams only touched the ball one time last week. I mean, he's a four-year starter for us at wide receiver, and we he's got to be involved in the game plan, uh, even though he's a little bit hobbled still. Jadon Mickens, another guy uh, that needs to touch the ball it's when they're when they have the ball in their hands, they're electric. Even if it's just a bubble screen, let them let them go and get loose in in space. Um, so I think that's going to be key, and I think the Huskies end up probably taking this game. Let's say uh, thirty-one to twenty-one. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm probably of that mindset too. Probably that that seven to ten point range. Um, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit higher though. I think I think this team really does improve quite a bit over these over this week in practice. Um, I mean, it's really gonna be hard to tell until we see Siler Miles out on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I I think that the overall talent level with Siler Miles actually distributing the ball instead of distributing it to the ground uh i think will probably help a lot so i'm gonna go uh huskies 35 uh eagles 21 on this one a couple touchdowns all right you know that's both those uh scores have us winning by uh more than one one score so that's that'll be interesting i think i think it has a chance to be a little bit closer than that but uh ultimately i think the talent of the huskies wins out and uh we're looking at a team that's two and oh but it would not. Yep. It's not out of the realm of possibility that we drop this football game. The the team needs to show up ready to a lot more ready to play last week because I think Eastern is a uh, superior football team to what we faced last week in Hawaii for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that two score margin is. I mean, I'll feel better about the Huskies if they win by that two score margin. If it's you know down to a field goal or something towards the very end, I'm not. I'm still not going to feel very great. Uh, you know, moving forward to Illinois and Georgia Southern. So um, we'll see. But Kyle, you know what? I, I'm i kind of feeling a little bit thirsty right now. What, are, are you thirsty? Yeah, after, after talking about that game, uh, I'm extremely thirsty. And uh, let's, uh, let's do a little beer of the week. Yeah. When you need that frothy refreshment, it's time for Sports with Teeth Beer of the Week. Give me a cold beer here. Uh, yes, Kyle, the return of Beer of the Week, our weekly installment where we review uh, different beers each week. Uh, I've got a fantastic one this week. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm pretty excited for for my refreshment during this podcast. What is in your glass this week, War? So I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh, it's Sierra Nevada every year does what they call a beer camp across America, um, and basically what they do is they bring in. 12 different breweries from across the United States, and each one of them brews a batch of beer on the Sierra Nevada campus uh, up there in uh, Northern California. And then they package a 12-pack with one of each individual beer kind of co-brewed between Sierra Nevada and another brewery. Um, And it's just a complete varietal. Like, you've got very, very interesting flavors. There's... uh, a double latte coffee milk stout that I'm really mm. interested in trying. Um, you know, a bunch of different hoppy IPAs. Uh, the one I'm drinking right now is called uh, the Alt Root Alt Beer from Sierra Nevada and Victory Brewing Company from Downing, Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know if I've ever even come across an Alt Beer uh, spelled A L T B I E R. It's it's German for old beer, uh, which refers to the way it's brewed with. Uh, a top fermenting beer as opposed to normal beers, which are bottom fermented um, with the yeast there. So uh, 6.6% alcohol by volume, 50 IBUs. Um, Mm. You get a really nice citrusy, hoppy aroma um, as well as, you know, it kind of hits you in your palate right there, but there's also a, a sweet malty base that um, really makes it, this beer a smooth one to drink. Hmm. And uh, so, pretty enjoyable. I'm not nice. gonna lie. So it's kind of a hybrid between like a you know a American pale ale and maybe a German like Hefeweizen, kind of wheat more wheat beer type. Or... Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a decent way to explain it. Um, it. I mean, it's got a full full body and a lot of flavor, um, but it's not overpowering at all. So right on. We'll have um, to try that. The, what do you say the the pack was? The beer camp. Yeah, it's called Beer Camp Across America. It's it's very limited. So uh, I bought mine at Bevmo. Um, I'm sure there are a bunch of other places up in the Seattle area that uh, have it in stock, but uh, you know it's it's like twenty five dollars for the twelve pack, which is a little spendy, but it's definitely worth it. You get good good uh, variety of some awesome nice. beers. That's cool. Yeah, I get to try a bunch of different breweries from across the country. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look for that for sure. Absolutely. What uh what's what's in your in your glass today? Well, tonight, I uh, I don't have quite the classy of beers you have, but uh, I was up in Canada, and of course, whenever you're in Canada, you have to drink some coconies. Uh, oh yeah. And, oh yeah. So I I picked some uh, coconut up at the duty free there. Uh, you know, I, when I when I think of going to Canada, I'm always up there to go skiing or something outdoorsy. You know. So I, I consider Kokanee pretty much the quintessential apres ski beer. You're sitting in the hot tub. Uh, I mean, it's not the greatest of flavors, but it's it's ice cold. You know, you stick them in the snowbank. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Kokanees. I think it's one of my probably one of my favorite of the lighter beers. Uh, you know, it's right up there, similar to Rainier in flavor. Um, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna knock your socks off, but it's uh, it's just always just steady and constant. It's always there. Five percent alcohol, a little bit lighter. Uh, you can slam a few of these. Uh, and as far as Canadian beers go, I'm not a huge fan, so I go with their light light coconies. Uh, you can't go wrong. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you that coconies are awesome for that uh, that hot tub uh, in the snow situation. Uh, another great Canadian situational beer, I think, is uh, Labatt Blue at a hockey game. That's, yeah. that's my go-to every single time. I go <laughs> to the Labatt's right away. Uh, I don't know why it tastes so much better when you're in a hockey rink, but 
It just it just oh, feels yeah. right, Kyle. Oh, feels yeah. right. Labatt, Molson, Canadian. I mean, all these beers are not very good, but if you're at a hockey game, uh, they're they're pretty tasty. They slide down pretty darn nice. All right, well, that'll do it for uh, Beer of the Week. As always, feel Cheers, free to y'all. send us in some, uh, some suggestions about what we should drink next week. We're always open to it. Um, haven't gotten quite so many yet, so we're still drinking decent beer, um, which is great for, great for us. But uh, <laughs> we'd love to hear your suggestion. Uh, have some, you know, maybe taste one yourself and then compare some notes with us. Uh, as always, hit us up on the Twitter, the Facebook, or the email address. All right, Kyle, let's... Uh, Let's we recap the Huskies. Um, let's kind of go through the Pac-12 and maybe some of these national college games from over the weekend. Um, full, almost full slate of Pac-12 action this weekend. Um, let's start out with uh, the sore spots, the, the two losses that the Pac-12 suffered over the weekend. Colorado dropping the game to Colorado State. And the Rocky Mountain Classic at Mile High Stadium, seventeen to thirty-one, uh, the Rams over the Buffaloes. Uh, former Alabama running back D. Hart was the absolute star of this game. Uh, he he went for one hundred thirty-nine yards on twenty-two carries with two touchdowns. Basically, just looked unstoppable out there. There's a reason why he got recruited to Alabama, and he <laughs> showed it in that game. Yeah, uh, this game was pretty close to the half, and uh, Colorado State uh, had 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the ball game. And we all know from that New Mexico Bowl last year that Colorado State definitely a second half team. You can't sleep on the <laughs> on the Rams in the second half. Big story though uh, out of this game. Did you see their mascot? I did not see the mascot. The Ram, their their mascot um, has monst- monstrous testicles. <laughs> they hang, they hang pretty low. Um, sorry, that's a little off color for everyone out at home there, but it's pretty funny. We might have to link a pic to it. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable. I don't know if that'll, that'll fly with Twitter and Facebook guidelines. We'll see. We'll have to see if they take it down. Uh, uh, it's no, pretty classic. I love, love the live mascot and uh, all the all the fun that comes with it. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. Uh, speaking of uh, Colorado State, uh, the Cougs, uh, they dropped their third straight game in their opener again at uh, Central Link Field in Seattle 38-41 to uh, to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. What do you see here? Yeah, Mike Leach still has no idea what defense is. Uh, just, Cougs got just run out of town um, on the on the defensive side of the football. Um, granted, Rutgers didn't play very good defense either, but against Wazoo, I mean, 38 points is probably what they're looking to score. You know, uh, on a on a bad day, and they did have a bad day. Um, it's just their defense could not stop Rutgers at all. Uh, nearly 500 yards of offense for Rutgers, which uh, is not what you're looking for in a in a D1 quality defense playing against possibly one of the worst uh, teams in any of the Power Five conferences in Rutgers. Um, so that was that was kind of disappointing for the Cougs. Uh, we we're kind of looking for them to have a little bit of resurgence this year, but. Oh, man, that's that's a rough loss to take in your in your first game. Oh, it's brutal. I mean, they they were right there. They had the lead, uh, I think a four point lead with uh, about five minutes left, and they're going to get the ball back at midfield. Um, looking, you know, that offense was pretty much unstoppable. They're going to go up by two scores. River Craycraft uh, fumbles the punt return, uh, and Rutgers goes down to score. And Connor Halliday can't lead him back on a last minute drive. 
uh, and they lose. Halliday goes over 500 yards passing in that losing effort. Uh, and you know what? Uh, listening to some of the, the Coug fans on their their message boards and all the scuttlebutt around Pullman, uh, I think the honeymoon honeymoon period for Leach is over, especially after these last two two ball games. And uh, if you go back three games lost in the Apple Cup, uh, the Coug fans are not happy. Uh, the natives in Pullman are restless. Yeah, I mean it's pretty clear. Wazoo wants to win. They want to win now. Uh, they upgraded all their facilities. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really see themselves as coming back into power in the Pac-12 North, um, it's obviously going to be difficult for them, but you know, it's, it, they're making it even more difficult on themselves by dropping these sorts of games. Uh, you know, not very well attended at CenturyLink Field. This is the last time they're ever going to do a Seattle the sa- game. The Sounders got more than they did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. it was poorly marketed, marketed, I don't know, marketed. Um, and it was just, you know, just not a great atmosphere probably a lot of Rutgers fans there too. It's kind of hard to tell them with the same colors and all, but yeah. um, you know, no, I think, I think if, if this continues and I mean, that doesn't look like they're going to play any defense this year. So they're going to be involved in these shootouts and probably drop some of these shootouts. Uh, I think that seat over there gets uh, it's a little bit hot and starting to warm up. Uh, I mean, I think he'll be back next season for sure, but, but it's definitely things, all the, uh, the honeymoon's over basically is what I'm trying to say for Leach in Pullman. Yep. Absolutely. I'd agree with you. Um, everybody else in the Pac-12 uh, winning uh, this week. Um, some of the more uh, intriguing games. Uh, I want to start off with Cal winning 31-24 over Northwestern. Uh, pretty impressive win for Coach Sonny Dykes and the Bears in Chicago on the road. Um, they they did almost let it slip away, and they almost cooked it a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> built up that 31 to 7 lead and then just hung on for dear life as Northwestern tried to come back and win that game in their home uh, ballpark over there in Evanston, Illinois. Um, but still, I mean, a win is a win is a win and Cal fans haven't had a whole lot of those over the past few seasons. So, uh, yeah. Good yeah. good win for Cal. Definitely Sonny Dykes, a uh, big win for him in the in this Cal program who has uh, struggled last year. Uh, we've we've dubbed them the bottom feeders of the conference, but for them to go out uh, and beat a mid-tier team in the Big Ten, that, that shows a lot for our conference as far as the depth, uh, especially after coming off that Wazoo loss. This was a big one for the conference, I thought. Uh, another game, uh, UCLA 28 over Virginia in Charlottesville. Uh, Virginia scored 20, 28-20. UCLA did not look like the national contending power that uh, a lot of people, a lot of pundits, including ourselves, uh, thought going into the season. Yeah, you guys will remember I picked UCLA to be in my college football playoff uh, Final Four in last week's show. Um, but, boy, they looked really shaky up front. Uh not a whole lot of push. Their their center had a ton of problems. Um, that whole offensive line in general was just pretty pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the only reason they won this game is because Virginia couldn't hold on to the ball. Their defense scores twenty one points. Kyle twenty one. Twenty one points. Three touchdowns on defense. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean that that defense we knew was going to be good and electric with playmakers like Andrew Hendricks, Ismail Adams, uh, Miles Jack, obviously. Oh. Drink. Oh, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we knew that. 
We knew those guys were going to be good, um, and they, they obviously carried this team, scoring 21 out of their 28 points. Only one offensive touchdown. Uh, Brett Hundley looked a little shaky. He's double pumping on some throws. A little bit happy feet, getting a lot of pressure with that makeshift offensive line. Uh, I think I think this game is going to be pretty indicative of uh, their team. I think they're going to struggle on offense with that with that offensive line uh, that isn't playoff worthy. Uh, you know, they weren't ready to play in this early morning game. And uh, they got a scare from Virginia, and they're going to have to bounce back from that. Uh, across L.A., it was a different story. Yeah, USC 52-13 uh, over Fresno State. Steve Sarkeesian's offense just coming out of the gates hot. Uh, they scored on their first drive, and they just never looked back. Lots of talent on that offense. 700 total yards of offense, which is just nuts. It's crazy. Um, I think that set some Pac-12 records. Um, ran 103 plays, more plays than any Pac-12 team has ever run in a single game. That's just nuts. That's ridiculous. Yeah, Cody Kessler uh, gets the player of the week in the in the Pac-12. He had a huge game. Uh, defensively, they were shutting down. I mean, this Fresno State team is not, not that bad of a team. You know, they were their bull team. They're always uh, a powerful team, but uh, USC just jumped on them early, uh, up 24-0 in the start of the second quarter. Uh, they never looked back, and their offense was just clicking under uh, Cody Kessler and at the helm, Steve Sarkeesian, running that no huddle that we saw so effective last year for, for the dogs. Yeah, uh, it'll be – I mean, they've got a huge game coming up this week against Stanford – First Pac-12 game uh, of the season for for anyone. So, uh, and you know, Stanford always has that that fairly stout defense. Um, they play really really tough nose on both sides of the ball. So we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see. We've seen Steve Sarkeesian knock off uh, Stanford before uh, in at CenturyLink Field a couple years ago. So uh, it's gonna be gonna be a great game that's a that's a must watch next yeah, week yeah uh, that's a huge USC game that's, against that's gonna be a 12 30 kickoff so uh, i'll be at the husky game but i'll be tivo on that one and watching that afterwards uh you know stanford won 45-0 over uc davis they looked pretty good um that's gonna be a huge early season conference game uh that i think is gonna to be tell uh, very indicative and tell a lot about the kind of season that both those teams are, can have as both of them are looking to contend for that pac-12 championship yeah, I'm. I'm actually pretty happy that we are not seeing USC this season. Yeah. Um, you know, with a with a makeshift kind of you know first year of a new coach kind of thing, and he's got so much talent down there. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad that we get an, a full season to before we have to throw our throw our guys into the fire down there in Southern yeah, California. Yeah, that, that team looks that team looks loaded for bear. A lot of talent. Buck Allen in the backfield had 133 yards. Juju Smith, a uh, receiver over there, over there breaking onto the scene. He had over 100 yards receiving. That that team's going to be uh be pretty tough to beat this year. And I think after after watching both them and UCLA this year this week, I think they're they got to be the favorites to to come out of the South and represent uh the Pac-12 South in the Pac-12 Championship game. Yeah, I mean, one week is pretty quick to judge an entire team and their whole season. I mean, there's always that opportunity that they come out and lay an egg. I mean, we've seen Steve Sarkeesian offenses do that before. Um, so Seven wins, still, Steve. Still very, still very early. Uh, yeah. To, to crown there's them gonna be some bad blood too but. if you guys remember last year uh david shaw for the coach of stanford and coach shark do not get along uh so that's another another storyline to watch as as those two teams play down on the farm next weekend yeah oregon oregon state arizona asu utah all just beating up on cupcakes not a whole lot to glean from those games did you see anything that really stood out to you from uh, uh, one of those teams 
Yeah, Oregon State struggled a little bit against uh, Portland State. They were down in the second quarter. Uh, they ended up coming back uh, and, and outscore Portland State 16-0 to in the second half. So they, they bounced back after a slow start. Um, Oregon looked looked very dominant in their win against South Dakota at home. Uh, Marcus Mariota was was on fire, um, you know, throwing a bunch of touchdowns. Royce Freeman, a uh, true freshman running back for him. He looks to be a man-child, a true superstar as a true freshman. Number 21, looks a bit like LaMichael James out there, if you remember from a few years ago. Uh, he had two touchdowns. He's, he's a kind of pushed Byron Marshall out of that backfield into more of a slot back um, and he's he's getting the boatload or the you know lion's share of the carries back there Royce Freeman watch him uh, he's gonna be fun to watch and and I mean the, the huge game nationally and the Pac-12 this this coming weekend is Oregon hosting Michigan State in what should be a absolute heavyweight title fight uh, down in Eugene yeah both of these teams are uh, almost favorites to come out of the their respective conferences this could be a potential rose bowl matchup uh, before the actual rose bowl uh it's going to yeah. be going to be a huge game uh for both teams oregon favored by 11 um and which is pretty close for any game oregon like oregon ha- usually has lines that are more up in the 20s not not in the None the eleven range. It's it's wild because on one hand, yeah, Oregon never has lines that are that low, especially at home. But on the other hand, these are two teams. Michigan State uh, giving away eleven or getting eleven points. You know, this is a team with Connor Cook, the defending Rose Bowl champions. Uh, they're they're really good and loaded, and clearly the favorite to win the the Big Ten this year. So this is going to be a heavyweight tilt. Game day will be live from Watson. Uh, that game, I think, is at 3.30 on Fox. Uh, you're going to want to tune into that one after the Husky game. It's going to be a huge, huge ball game with uh, national playoff Final Four implications for sure. Uh, Absolutely. The other, other one I wanted to mention, uh, Arizona is Arizona State, both dominant in their games. Uh uh, DJ Foster had a ton of rushing yards. He had 147 yards on only 15 carries. Uh, Jalen Strong, their receiver, uh, 10 catches for 146 yards, and both those guys sat out the entire second half. So that those that team, that offense is is pretty good. And I think I think that uh, Arizona State USC game is going to be one of the uh, one of the marquee games coming up this year, um, and a fun one to watch. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of some national implications, let's uh, move on here to uh, recapping some of the national college football games this week. Um, first place we got to go is Texas A&M, 52-28 over South Carolina. <coughs> Kenny Hill's coming out party. He out manzel Manziel. <laughs> oh, man. It was fun to watch. 511 yards of passing, three touchdowns. I mean, I, 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 nobody expected that out of Kenny Hill. Unbelievable, yeah. This this is the opener of the college football season. Uh, really, really fun game to watch. Uh, Kenny Hill, yeah, unbelievable. Five hundred over five hundred yards passing. Uh, I think the big story out of this one is that Kevin Sumlin can flat out coach offensive football. Uh, I mean, going into Williams Rice Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina, there. Uh, South Carolina had like an eighteen game home winning streak. Hadn't lost since two thousand eleven. It just they just got boat raced by A and M. They looked un- unprepared and. Uh, you know this. This is an A and M team that I think is here to stay. Uh, this program is legit. Uh, they're not just a one-trick pony, as someone said after the game with Manziel. Uh, they they know what they're doing down there in, in uh, Aggie Land, and that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch them uh, over the next X amount of years. They got a ton of talent outside in the in the uh, in the receiving core, and obviously Kenny Hill, uh, one of the early front front runners now for the Heisman, which is pretty shocking. 
Yeah, Johnny Manziel uh, tweeting out he, that he's uh, Kenny F in football. Uh, you know, passing on the the F in football moniker to uh, Kenny Hill. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Kevin Sumlin doesn't start hearing some uh, NFL jobs knocking at the door here pretty soon. Oh, you, I you mean, definitely. If he keeps on going, it's I I mean it's it'd be hard to leave Texas A and M. It's such a ravenous fan base that just feeds on winning. Um, mm-hmm. That. But I mean, yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised. There's, I mean, there's a lot of links of him to NFL jobs, even last season to that USC job. Uh, he was linked to that as well. So especially, you know, seeing how Chip Kelly's doing with the Eagles, uh, you know, a similar coach in that spread system. I think, I think the NFL is going to come knocking. And but as long as he's at A and M, I think this team is going to be a threat uh, to win that SEC. And even though they're in the SEC West and have a brutal conference schedule this year, uh, I think they're they're going to be a contender just because they can put up so many points. Uh, it's a good football team yeah let's move on to uh alabama beating west virginia 33 to 23 uh bama kind of escaping with a win in the georgia dome uh west virginia and uh their quarterback and saban family member first kisser clint trickett uh (laughs) pretty impressive against that vaunted bama defense um not good enough to overpower them in the end but uh they, they had they had some great Great plays, great drives. Clint Trickett made some plays uh, that were that were pretty phenomenal, and um, mm-hmm. they still quite get done against against the Tide. Uh, what what do you see in this game? Uh, any any real implications that you can you can draw from it? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to overreact, but I guess uh, you think you see what uh, Clint Trickett and Dana Holgerson did against the Bama defense, that secondary, uh, putting up a lot of points on them, and. Uh, you know, I think I think that says that, that Bama's gotten exposed by some of the spread teams. Last year, you saw Oklahoma do it, you saw Auburn do it. Now you see West Virginia, even Texas A&M going back a little further. Uh, I think this this is a a defense that's, that struggles with that spread. And uh, like we talked about, Texas A&M, Alabama's uh, hosts them in in Tuscaloosa, but uh, Kenny Hill's going to put up points on a defense. So I think down the road, Alabama Alabama's going to have to outscore some teams. Uh, uh, did, did did you did you realize that Lane Kiffin was their their offensive coordinator now? No way! I, I had no idea. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't shown on ESPN at all. Yeah, you'd think they'd have like a Lane Kiffin cam on during the broadcast, but yeah, we didn't get any shots of Lane Kiffin. That was kind of a bummer. Uh, their offense looked pretty good. Uh, Blake Sims, uh, the quarterback, beating out uh, uh, Jacob Coker, uh, so he looked pretty good. Derek Henry, absolute beast. The guy, the guy's basically a uh, wildebeest that runs a four uh, four. He, he's nasty. Uh, I think we'll talk about in our next game. We'll talk about another unbelievable running back. But Derek Henry is probably my favorite player in college football to watch, or one of them at least. Uh, he's he's pretty unbelievable. There, running back number twenty seven. Uh, but yeah, Bama, Bama with a win. Uh, they're going to be good. They're going to be right there all year. But defensively, that secondary, there's definitely some questions questions to be answered. Yeah, you talked about uh, another running back that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about him right now. Uh, Georgia and the fighting Todd Gurley's winning 45-21 over Clemson. Todd Gurley, just unstoppable. I don't even need to watch any more college football this season, Kyle. Give him the Heisman. Give yeah. it to him right now. You're kind of a Gurley man, aren't you, War? Oh, I'm a big girly man. I <laughs> uh, see. I'm more of a manly man, but uh, I'll let you be a girly man. <laughs> well, when it comes with when it comes with that uh, that speed and that size, 
Shoot, give me give me Gurley up yeah. all day long. 15 carries for 198 yards, three touchdowns. Oh, yeah, and he took a 100-yard kickoff return to the house guy as well. Uh, this guy's a man-child. If he, if he stays healthy, uh, he's going to absolutely rewrite some records this year. Uh, he's a transcendent talent. I mean, 15 carries only, and he's still got 200 yards? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It's... I mean, he's got the speed, he's got the power, he's got the size, he's got the vision. I like he's just a complete back, and you know, I mean, first round of the NFL draft is is coming knocking for him. Oh, for sure, uh, somebody's yeah. gonna pick him up. Right, this, quick. Is, this was a tie ball game at halftime as well, and Georgia just obliterated Clemson in that second half, and uh, they set themselves up as now the clear favorite to uh, to win that SEC East, uh, especially with South Carolina going down. Uh, Georgia, they're going to be in there in the national contention the whole season, and it would, definitely wouldn't surprise me to see them uh, in that Final Four come come January. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, move on here. Uh, another game, including an SEC team, LSU pulling it out 28-24 over Wisconsin. LSU was down by 17 uh, in the third quarter. They pull off 21 unanswered points to complete just a, a furious comeback. Um, just kind of a classic LSU win right there. Yeah, the Mad Hatter's gonna Mad Hat, you know. Uh, Les Miles pulls out the the fake field or the fake punt to down seventeen. Jump starts them. They get the they get the ball rolling uh, on their running game. Kenny Hilliard was was big for him in that second half. I thought uh, LSU. You know, it's it's just a classic LSU team where there's no like stars. You know, you don't really know any of the names on their team, but they just keep pounding out wins because they're just so darn athletic. And Les Miles is going to run that little toss dive play. Uh, you know he's going to he's going to take some chances and play solid defense uh, with it, his unbelievable athletes they have down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, LSU uh, big statement win uh, against Wisconsin. I think both these teams are going to be pretty good ball ball clubs this year. I think Wisconsin has got a shot to win, run off a bunch of victories in a row in, in a pretty weak uh, Big Ten in, in a schedule where they don't face Michigan State until possibly the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, with Braxton Miller out at Ohio State, I mean that's, you know they've now it's it's kind of Michigan State and Wisconsin are, are your two penciled in uh, Big Ten championship game teams right there. So yeah, possibly Nebraska. Um, they very never impressive. never count out the Huskers over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good win, good win for Les Miles and uh, and the Tigers down in. Death Valley. Yeah, um, the last last national game we want to hit here. Uh, the number one Florida State Seminoles, thirty-seven. Oklahoma State Cowboys, thirty-one. In a classic battle of Cowboys versus Indians, uh, down in Dallas. There, uh, Jameis Winston, uh, quarterback for Florida State, did just enough to win win the game for him. He had two picks in that first half, but he turned it on late, uh, including a, a highlight run that was unbelievable, where he uh, took off on the quarterback draw. He jukes back, then hurdles, then dives to the touchdown it was like a y button right stick back uh, x button dive for six unbelievable highlight from Jameis there uh in the in their opener yeah you don't get uh kind of heisman defining plays this early in the season uh very often but i mean it's possible if he takes them back to that national championship game and um all signs are pointing to the fact that he's got the talent around him to do it uh that could be the the play that you look back on and say like wow you know that's that's a that's a next level play right there. Uh, he's just coming out and just messing with people. I mean, doing whatever he wants. Um, but like you said, did have the two picks. Uh, close game. 
Um, Surprising that it was like, the, as close uh, as it was. You know, uh, Oklahoma State had a, had a good shot to really shock the world, um, but a fumble with about five minutes left by J.W. Walsh, their quarterback, uh, in a less than one possession game, really sealed their fate as they ended up dropping it and couldn't hold on and shock the world um, with that upset. So we talked about the number one team in the country, um, which kind of transitions pretty nicely into talking about uh, updating or possibly revising our final four uh, picks that we made last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went with Florida State, Baylor, Auburn, and Oregon. I went with Oklahoma, Florida State, UCLA, and Alabama. Um, any, 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 you know, want to change a little bit? Uh, maybe revise your your top four this week uh, what do you think you know uh i'm not gonna change anything yet i'm gonna stick with what i got i think florida state even though they showed some weaknesses a little bit of cracks in their armor uh, i think they're they're gonna be fine they're gonna improve they got a weak schedule um they'll be there all season long um uh baylor uh bryce petty and news coming out today after their absolute stomping of smu they looked unbelievable in that game that he has a uh, broken uh transverse process off his vertebrae and two of his vertebrae in his back uh, so that's not never a good sign when your quarterback's got broken uh, vertebrae. Uh, but he, he's day-to-day. It's an injury that's going to heal itself. He don't, doesn't expect to miss any time, but it's hard to imagine him being at 100%. And I think without him at 100%, that's going to be tough for Baylor to compete um, in that Big 12 uh, four spot in the, in the Final Four. But as of now, I'm going to stick with him. Auburn, uh, I'll stick with them. They look good. Nick Marshall sat out the first half. It was a tie ball game at halftime. Then they really stepped on the gas and, and blew out uh, Arkansas in the second half. And then Oregon, uh, I didn't see anything out of them to make them change my mind. Obviously, they have that huge game this weekend against Michigan State. I think the winner of that game is on a um, you know a course to make it to the Final Four for sure. Um, USC is going to push push for that spot as well in the Pac-12. Uh, and the other one, other team to watch, uh, I think, is Georgia now. Really throwing their throwing their hat into the ring as a as a contender. But uh, as of now, I'm going to stick with it. Florida State, Baylor, Auburn, and Oregon. Your final four uh, come January first. Yeah, mine uh, mine didn't quite look as good as yours, just because of that UCLA uh, kind of struggle fest against Virginia. Um, didn't really like what I saw out of them up front. That's kind of what wins games for you is that, uh, that, that offensive and defensive line. Um, so that needs to get fixed pretty quickly down in Westwood. Um, not going to jump off the bandwagon quite yet. Um, obviously. I'm off. I'm off. I think they finished third in the Pac-12 South. Ooh, man, third. <laughs> yeah. I'm fighting words I right think, there. I uh, think SC wins it. I think Arizona State second. I think UCLA third. With the possibility wow. of Arizona even being better than UCLA, I was not impressed with what I saw out of the Bruins on Saturday. Dropping bombs over here. I, I'm not. I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon quite yet. Um, I, I really want to see how Oregon plays against Michigan State. Um, you did mention that Georgia has, you know, has every right to be in this conversation, um, as well as Texas A&M after the shellacking they put on uh, South Carolina. Oklahoma smokes Louisiana Tech. That one wasn't even close. Um, Louisiana Tech scoring a couple points in the fourth quarter against what I'm assuming were second stringers. Uh, Florida State looking pretty good. Alabama looking good, although they did have a little bit of a scare against West Virginia. Um, so I, I don't know. You need to give me give me a few weeks here, but there's a definite possibility that I may be 
changing my tune here right quick. I reserve the right to change my t- my top four, just like the committee, Kyle. Just like the committee. Yeah, and another one, another team you got really got to watch out for. The com- committee likes teams that are second half teams uh, with great mascots. Look for Colorado State to be there all year long, <laughs> just because of their affinity for that mascot. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Well, uh, that's that. That pretty much does it for our uh, college football oh, stuff. Oh, we forgot. Um, we forgot one thing. The first, yeah, go for the it. first, uh, first play of the college football season. I saw them up in Canada. I had to get a proxy on my computer so I could basically spoof my IP address. I felt like a computer hacker, uh, so I could get <laughs> make it th- make ESPN watch ESPN think that I was in these states. I felt pretty proud of myself that I figured all this out. Let's hope I don't get a felony, but. First one, I saw, first play of the year I saw was uh, Doctor Bo throwing an interception for Ole Miss. So that was that was great to see. Really, uh, really happy that uh, Doctor Bo's still performing surgeries with that rusty scalpel, uh, but getting the getting the results he needs in the second half. Uh, see, throws four touchdowns to lead Ole Miss over Boise State. Yeah, we we actually we had some pretty interesting things happen the first week of college football too. I mean, we had uh, we had a an Auburn ball boy running about as fast as a player for a touchdown, red lightning esque. I've heard they're calling the new ball boy a uh, blue thunder <laughs> to go against red lightning, um, which I love. Uh, gotta love uh, it. We saw, we saw Baylor's student section trampling themselves yeah, as they were they like rushing the field. Oh yeah. Baylor's, um, Baylor now has sailgating, making it three teams that you can sailgate yeah. at. That's pretty cool. I uh, know. Maybe their, their maybe new stadium these... looking real nice on TV last Ooh, night. God, it looked beautiful. Didn't it? Yeah, it did super nice aerials um maybe we'll have to do a little you know as these strength of schedule talks kind of you know kind of evolve and maybe we'll see some more you know big out of conference matchups maybe it'll be like a baylor washington tennessee you know kind of cup cup thing going on (laughs) just the the naval the naval battle going on there which is always great um but yeah let's uh let's move on Let's uh, talk about real quick before we go. Um, the Seahawks uh, taking on Green Bay Packers Thursday at five o'clock p.m. Rematch from 2012's infamous fail Mary game and the impending uh, ending of the lockout uh, for NFL referees. <laughs> um, possible drinking game for this for this game, Kyle. Uh, every time the fail Mary is referenced, uh, go ahead and drink, and you know we'll see. Uh, in a couple weeks when you come out of your blackout. Yeah, yeah there uh, we could also toss in defending Super Bowl champions. Anytime that's said, uh, drink out of celebration. So, yeah, that'll be a fun fun Thursday night affair. Uh, the national stage for the Seahawks, coming to uh, the Green Bay coming to Seattle. Uh, it's going to be loud in there. Holy cow. I don't think uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to hear for about a week after that game. Uh, look for the Seahawks to take it to them, uh, especially I think it, you know they're putting the banner up. I think I think it's going to be quite the atmosphere down there. I wish I was going to be able to uh, attend the ball game, but it should be a fun, fun game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got Percy Harvin look, looking like he's 100% ready to go. Um, took a couple days off for personal reasons uh, this week from practice, but man. In this whole preseason, he's just looked like a fire starter. Oh, it's gonna yeah. be great to see him uh, get out there and really change the change the tempo 
of uh, the entire game. It's yeah, going to be awesome. For sure, yeah. And Russell Wilson's looked great in the preseason so far. Um, you know, he's had a pretty distraction-filled offseason with, you know, all the stuff that goes along with being the Super Bowl-winning quarterback, uh, his divorce, all, the, all these things going on. But he's showed no shine to that distraction. And I think he's going to be poised to really, really take over, uh, you know, more responsibilities in the passing game this year. I think he's going to get a lot more uh, freedom to, to throw the football, you know, with our group of wide receivers uh, that looks to be pretty darn athletic and fast. I think he's going to distribute the ball out there, uh, and I think uh, this offense should be should be even more dynamic than it was last year. Yeah, a couple couple of other notes as well, uh, just really quickly. Looks like uh, Bruce Irvin and uh, former Alabama wide receiver Kevin Norwood uh, both are have the possibility of coming back this week against uh, for Week One against the Packers. Neither of them playing in preseason at all. Um, you'll remember Bruce Irvin last time. Uh, Last time the Packers were in town, uh, tallied two sacks in what would be an eight-sack day for the Husky or for the Seahawks defense um, against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So that's good news. Uh, really interested to see how Kevin Norwood does uh, at the next level as well. He was he was pretty solid, uh, big receiver for uh, Alabama last season. Um, and then just I mean that defense, it's going to be. You know, they looked a little bit shaky against Oakland in the fourth preseason game. Um, not really worried about that at all. Uh, you know, Derek Carr had a few really good throws and got kind of lucky, to be honest, um, with a tipped ball. But, uh, you know, these guys should be hungry. They should be ready to go. Um, really looking forward to seeing how they're going to start off their season uh, in the Legion of Boom back there. Yeah, yeah, it should be, should be a fun one. Uh, opening up the big game on NBC national stage going to be an awesome ball game uh we'll be we'll be checking in on that one and uh yeah i think i think that about wraps things up uh, one other thing i wanted to mention uh saturday any of you listeners who want to uh do a little meet and greet with myself i'll be in the e1 parking lot before the husky game uh tailgating it's an early game so we'll be doing some breakfast burritos a little bit of cornhole out there so it should be it should be a fun one uh give shoot me an email here on the sports with teeth uh, at gmail and i'll let you know where exactly we're at we'll be uh you know on that right along mont lake avenue there so uh give me a call and uh hope to see you guys down at the tailgate yeah kyle i don't, I don't want to say who it's going to be but i've heard there may be a special guest uh, in attendance for the for that tailgate so um I think you guys are all going to want to come out and, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of, plenty of beer, plenty of cornhole. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe even, maybe even a little busy bat. I, I know we're, oh. our, uh, our group of friends are, maybe. are, uh, have an affinity for that game. So yeah, I got, I got a brand new alumni polo. I'm going to be debuting, uh, ditch the visor. I'm going with the Husky hat this year. It's black UW hat. So we're going to be looking sharp, ready for game day. Uh, it should be a nice, nice, uh, nice day out there. It's supposed to be in the mid seventies. So, uh, go dogs, and uh, we'll see you out in the E1 parking lot pregame. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody, to uh, Sports with Steve again. Please feel free to hit us up on the Twitter, on the Facebook, and at sportswithteeth at gmail.com. Uh, for my buddy Kyle Washett up in Seal, Washington, I'm Alex Warnke from San Francisco, California. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been the Sports with Teeth podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening, and until next time, Adios, amigos.